Hey, this is Chloe. This is Tess. Get the hell out of here with that shit. And this is Double Trouble. This is Double Trouble. No, I sounded like a fucking, I sounded like a Pokemon. I sounded like fucking Reborn. I hated it either way. Pikachu. True. That was pretty solid. Yeah. Ekans. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, that was not okay. So that was a really annoying beginning, but um, that's me, Chloe, and I. I don't know how, but we started saying hi like that. That's it's supposed to be hello. Um, it's supposed to be hello, but it sounds like a cat. It's because when I moved into my old apartment with Shadow, she did that for like days. <laughs> She went, like, all night, like, for, like, two nights in a row. She was going, Because she was like, where the Tess. fuck is everyone? She, she was like, where's Tess? Well, she missed our neighbor. Remember how the, the neighbor used to go, yeah. meow, meow, at the window? Yeah. So, like, she was literally wanting to do that. Well, I'm depressed now. Well, Didn't know it had such a sad backstory. End the podcast. <laughs> Turn this shit off. So now, um, Now we're going to talk about murder. Yeah. That's even better. Yeah. I'm kidding. So now, instead of hello, we say, meow, meow. Meow, meow. Yeah, I don't know how that started for us saying it, though. But anyways, um, welcome back. We are going to start off with our week, I guess. Yeah, we can. Would you like to go first? I feel like I always go first. Um, that's just because I let you. I mean, I don't really care, but... Oh, she lets me. That's right. (laughs) I'm alphabetically first, you fucking whore. Well, go. Um, so this weekend, I fucking don't know what I fucking did. Um, on Saturday, I did things... And then, God, what the fuck did I do? Oh, we hung out on Saturday. Are you good? I, to- I literally don't have a good memory. This is why I go first. I just figured it out. I don't fucking have a good memory. See, this is the issue is I literally don't remember. It's okay. Anyways, uh, so I was with you and mom, and we went to stores and Excuse did some me, shopping. Excuse me if you can hear me. I have the hiccups, guys. Dumbass Great bitch. timing. Just right in the middle of what I'm fucking saying, too. I can't believe this. I just didn't want them to hear me in I'm the background. I'm leaving. Being like... <gasps> What, I can't sneeze? What, I can't hiccup while you're talking? (laughs) (laughs) Another inside joke. (laughs) Continue. Um, But I hung out with my twin and my mother. Uh Spent way too much money at Ulta. I popped off. I got Mm -hmm. some Morphe palettes. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, Got some colorful eyeliner. That's also exciting. Very much. Very Um, much so. I also, the next day, went and got Korean barbecue with friends. That was really lit. Love that. That was litty titty. Um, Love you, Sandra. I hate that word. I miss you so much. I love you. Uh, So it was Sandra, Logan, Nick, Teddy, (laughs) Kirk, all the homies. Just all the other friends. It was just like literally all the fucking homies. Yeah, fuck you, Rusty. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Does he listen? No. He doesn't give a fuck about me. <laughs> I literally say that. Sick. I swear to God I'm going to say that shit and he's going to text me like, you stupid bitch. He's going to be like, why? Listen, bitch. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. Okay, hold on. This is Chloe on the phone, hey. everyone. I'm sorry. Um, it was the two vitamin C serums, body wash, and what else? Uh, the image that I sent you to your personal phone. Oh, so it's just three things? Oh, I hate that. I we're, hey, we're doing the podcast, so if you can't get anything, just text me, okay? Okay. Okay, you. thank you. Love you. Bye. Was that, could they hear that? Yeah, I <laughs> left it on. Cute. Oh, we got a phone call from oh. a significant other. What's a that significant like? other. Oh, shit. All right. Well, she's traumatized. <laughs> he was a boy. Next month isn't Valentine's Day or anything. Alistair's birthday is this Wednesday. I forgot how many days of the week there are. You get him a gift? Um, no. Are you going to? Um, so here's the thing. Alistair doesn't really like gifts. Okay. He likes experiences. Well, are you going to give him an experience? Oh, that sounds wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. I meant like we're going to go to like the aquarium or something. Yes. Not, oh God. I mean. Okay. Jesus. No. That's I am not a sinner. I mean. This is a Christian Minecraft server. No. You son of a bitch. Anyways, what did oh you do this weekend? <laughs> um, 
What did I do? I went shopping. As Chloe said, we went together. Um, I got my stimmy in, so you know your girl had to go and ball out. Did we get lunch? Oh, we got breakfast. Yeah. Okay. Me and Chloe got in a little fight over the weekend. She said, no, my, my, my. And I said, why are you being such a bitch today? <laughs> you just got mad at me because I said, no, said my something. vanilla syrup doesn't have any fucking we calories. We were arguing <laughs> over whether iced coffees are caloric. And Chloe said, no, mine doesn't. And I was like, what? Yeah, that was literally. And then she was like, what? And then I was like, bitch. And then that was where it ended. <laughs> that was literally us being tired and needing to like go home and take a minute. That was literally all that was. That was quite literally just us needing to fucking chill for three seconds, but yeah. instead we went, ah. Yeah, it happens. Um, so, went shopping. Uh, I would like to say I didn't spend all my stimmy. I'm probably going to use it for other important things as well. Um, thanks, Obama. Um, also, well. <laughs> I can't because that's... <laughs> It's um, literally the wrong president. And I mean, like, I know it's the joke, but, like, it's like, oh, fuck. Um, and then Sunday. Why did I do Sunday? Oh, I um, went and delivered some Christmas presents that were sitting in my house for some of my friends because I know it's late. I know. But <laughs> um, I was busy the week of Christmas, and I don't know. It's been another week or and so, and I've just been depression. busy. Yeah, it was my first week back <laughs> to work. And, yeah, Chloe is like... Chloe's spot on with that. We have depression, so I push things off, you know. When you know me. Twins not only in actual birth, but in mental illnesses, too. Nailed it. Just girly things. Just mental illness thing. It's mental illness, isn't it? It's mental illness. Yeah, so I did that. It felt like Santa Claus. It was pretty cool. That's cute. Um, How many then... gifts did you have? So I have six, but I only made it to three. <laughs> That's also mental illness, isn't it? Delivered those. What else did I do? I got that new pistachio coffee from Starbucks. Pretty good. <gasps> mm-hmm. um, I liked it a lot, but I like pistachio-flavored things. Um, I feel like you'll like it if you like pistachio-flavored things. If you don't, or if you're neutral about pistachio-flavored things, you might not like it. So. Wait, hi. Can I actually hop in on this? Go for it. Um, as someone who likes pistachio-flavored things more than Tess, Excuse you. Do you eat pistachio ice cream? I do like do you pistachio, eat pistachio ice cream. pudding. I do when okay, it's available. Well, I literally make it at home. Well, I don't so, make anything. So okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but you need <laughs> that to doesn't prove shit. You should, you should <laughs> Just because you make things. Uh, <laughs> Continue. Anyways, mm-hmm. I personally okay. So I got a I got a tall and you got a venti, right? Yeah, I got a venti. So maybe there's obviously yeah. There's more pumps. There's usually seven pumps in a venti. Um, whereas I think there's three in a tall. Yeah, but it's still the same ratio or whatever the ba- fuck. Suppose, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. However, I didn't really feel like it tasted like pistachio that much. What'd you feel like it tasted like? Um, I definitely got pistachio, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like the flavor of pistachio that I like. It wasn't like as sweet and like... Yeah, it wasn't very, it wasn't super sweet, which I kind of liked because the pistachio flavor was already strong. And you know when you get strong sweet coffee, it's like just yeah. a double whammy and you're like, oh, I want to throw up. Well, I also think the espresso shots sat for a bit and got a little bitter because of that. Yeah. I mean, Starbucks literally also reuses the hell out of their espresso. So like, yeah, burnt ass beans and shit. So. I love that. I love that for me. Me spending $6 on burnt-ass beans. Better mm. than fucking Dutch. Coffee. Fucking Dunkin'. This shit's all sugar. They said, would you like sugar. some sugar with that, your coffee? Yeah, they really do, actually. Well, that was my weekend. Um, I'm too tired to do anything else, so you put the shopping bag to the side, and the next day you come back to it and you put it all away, or you put, you know what I mean. I still have blisters on my feet. Chloe decided to wear heels. They were... I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're technically heels. Yeah. Yes, they're heels. Yeah, I wore like heelish shoes, like with little studs on them that were cute. Bit me in the ass. Yeah. They were really small heels, though. I thought they would be better. I played myself. Yeah. So she was like, "Oh." Speaking of Al, let's talk about this person who's a murderer. Dun 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 dun. That was probably the worst segue ever, really but I really transition. enjoyed it. I really <laughs> enjoyed doing it. Okay. Yeah. So that was our weekend. Um. So I wanted to start off with taking your guys's recommendations um we actually got some recommendations on twitter thank you so much for that so the first one i went with so this person's name is nate cool i just want to go ahead and give nate a shout out like i just you know thank thanks, you so much nate. for the recommendations thanks for listening we appreciate it yeah and he gave like a bunch of recommendations too so it was really cool he did yeah um like i said nate uh tweeted at us and he gave us a couple different options that he thinks are pretty cool and I decided to go with someone whose name is Lorraine Thorpe. 
Lorraine Thorpe. So she is from England and she is actually the youngest ever female double murderer in England. I don't know about everywhere else, but in England at least, Mm -hmm. um, to date. Can I ask a question? Sure. Okay, so I think we've discussed what makes you a serial killer. I think it's three, technically. Yeah. However, when I was researching her, I also saw things that were referring to her as a serial killer. And I was like, what the fuck? No, it's not. That's why it says double murderer. Okay, cool. Serial killer is three. It's a, it's, See, it's a series. That's what I thought. Okay, thank yeah. you. Because I was like... That's uh... like the definition for serial killer, I think, is three. So that's why they call her a double murderer. Okay, sounds good. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't off. Yeah. So Lorraine Thorpe was 15 years old around the time of the murders. And she was actually the daughter of the second victim. Let's start off with a little background first off. This takes place in the town of Ipswich, which is about 65 miles northeast of London. Um, It's kind of on the coast-ish. It's a little bit removed from the coast, but it's not, you know, it's not like in the center of England. It's kind of, it's a small town. Um, It's a suburb. You telling me she was just a small town girl? Shut up. (laughs) Yes. Living, oh, actually she was kind of living in a lonely world. I know. Jesus. (laughs) Um... August 9th, 2009, there is the first victim found in her apartment dead. Her name is Rosalind Hunt. She was found dead in her apartment on Victoria Street, lying on her bed, and she was fully clothed. She had multiple injuries to her chest and abdominal area, which included nine ribs being broken. Um, And there was a level of torture and brutality that suggested a lot of anger and a person who felt out of control in their life. She was the first victim. She was actually, she was really well liked by her neighbors. She was a very generous person. Uh, There wasn't much bad you could say about her, except for maybe the fact that she suffered from an acute alcohol addiction. And that stemmed after she was divorced and she was having a hard time finding work. Um, So that kind of spiraled her into a depression, which was fueled by alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And she was a part of something that they call the drinking community of Ipswich, the street drinking community, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, It's basically people who get together and they drink and they find anywhere to do it, you know, on street sides, street corners, like outside of bars, stuff like that. They find alcohol and they hang out together and they drink. That's all they do. Like, honestly, my, I've never heard of this before. Like, yeah, that sounds, I don't know if this is an English thing. I'm not trying to, is it your, like a (sighs) European thing? I've just, I've never really heard of people getting together to drink. I mean, Street I guess drinking the, UK. Oh, okay. This is what I'm, I'm looking it up right now, guys. Okay. That's why you can probably hear my street drinking community. Let me look it up. I didn't really look it up, but it's a thing. It's, um, it I basically think, just means you're drinking in public. I mean, maybe in the US we just call it loitering. Maybe that's literally yeah. what that is, right? I don't, I just don't know. You're not, I mean, you're not supposed to be drinking in public anyways, usually. Is that against the law here? I don't think so. Supposedly, yes. Is it? Usually you'll be, only get... You know, yell that if you actually are making, like, a disturbance or something. Because then you're disturbing the peace on top of it. I don't think it's against the law because they were doing it. So it was uh, something that's called the street drinking community. And, like I said, it's a group of people who basically get together and they drink. um, And it's their pastime. It's basically, like, when is the next time that they're going to hang out with these people and drink? Um, They also are involved in drugs. uh, Some of them. There is a lot of violence because it's a lot of people who aren't at the best points in their life. They're being taken over by, you know, a form of substance that alters your mind and your thinking. Um, And they're not in the best living situations either. So it's just, it's kind of an all thing and everyone's kind of trying to fight for their dominance in that community. So there's a lot of violence. Mm -hmm. So she was actually a part of that, which is kind of surprised me. Um, So unfortunately she suffered from acute alcohol addiction, which was only fueled by the street drinking community that she was surrounded by. So that was August 9th, 2009, that she was found dead in her apartment. Mm -hmm. And um, people were confused. She was a great neighbor. Um, People really liked her, like I said. She was just a really nice person. Investigators know that she's a part of this community, so obviously they're going to set their sights there first um, and try and talk to the people around her that knew her the best. Not even 24 hours later, they find a second body, which, um, due to the close proximity and time, led the investigators to believe that there is a link between them, and there is. Um, a man named Desmond Thorpe was found lying on his sofa, and it was found that he had been smothered by a pillow or a cushion. 
it's kind of funny when you're listening to British people talk, they have different words for things. So I think oh they gosh, said cushion, right. but I think they might have meant pillow. So I'm just going to say pillow slash cushion. Well, oh is, my God. Isn't that really funny? I just thought they meant like a couch cushion. Yeah. Holy so it could have meant a, pil- a pillow. Oh my <laughs> I, I, like God. if you think about it, a, a cushion is kind of fucking big. So it'd be easier to smother someone with a pillow. So I think, you see what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure it was a pillow. See, I'm actually shook now because I just thought it was a couch cushion or something this whole time. Well, the reason why I knew it was a pillow is because it was thrown out of a window at some point, and it's oh. not very easy to throw a couch cushion out of a window, I feel like. Like a whole last Don't knock it until you try it. Well, you know what I mean. No, like, I understand that. So, um, so he's found having been smothered with a cushion. Um, he was also a part of that uh, Ipswich drinking community, which some people in the community said was like a family, but... Um, some people were known to use and abuse it, and the people in the community, like Rosalind herself, was used and like taken advantage of, manipulated in that community. So they had been known to be friends, and they were actually found within two miles of each other. So they lived in northwest Ipswich, around the same place. This level of violence that they saw with Desmond, or Des as people called him, made them believe that the killer knew their victims. So it wasn't just a one-time thing of anger. It was, these people are related. This was pent up. Yeah, these people are related. There's a lot of anger and brutality with these murders. It made the investigators think that they knew, the person who did this knew their victims very well. And Des was also found very, very beat up. Um, He was already in really bad health. Uh, Yeah. We'll get into that. He was already in really bad health because of his... um, drinking habits, uh, his, you know, lack of being able to take care of himself and everything like that. And I'm not trying to uh, make it sound like just because you have alcoholism, you're a bad person. Both of these people, when, when, when people would talk about them, they would say how great of people they were. They were great people. You know, we all have our faults. We all have our issues that we need to deal with. It's just, this was theirs. So while they, while the investigators were looking into the people around Uh, Two names kept coming up, and that was Lorraine Thorpe, who was Desmond's daughter, 15-year-old daughter at the time, and a 41-year-old man named Paul Clark. Their names kept coming up, and that was really easy to do in that community. Word got around really fast. Mm -hmm. So as they were investigating, they kept hearing these names over and over again, and they actually found that they had been at the premises around the time that Des died, and they left right before the emergency services arrived which was, again, the next day on August 10th. So they made the decision to arrest Lorraine and Paul on suspicion of the murders that day. So digging a little bit more into the actual background of Lorraine um, and how this came to be, she uh, grew up in a fairly stable home at first. Um, She had a fairly stable childhood. She grew up in South Ipswich with her parents and three siblings. She had ADHD. She has it. She's still alive she has ADHD um but she was medicated for it uh and she was doing really well apparently she's very bright likable she was a very um smart person friends said she was outgoing and friendly and kind however this is going to start to change in 2006 Lorraine's parents separate and get divorced when she's about 12 or 13 and she goes to live with her mother for a bit unfortunately she for some reason they don't go into detail why it's kind of hard to find out but for some reason she lives with her mom for a little bit and then child services comes and collects her for some reason so something happened there Mm -hmm. um so we have one household that isn't very stable she goes to live with her father who after the divorce is slipping into alcoholism and he is semi-homeless uh and he's an alcoholic so that's not a very good living environment either obviously and basically what happens is she goes from her mom's house Uh, to social services runs away goes to live with her dad and it's kind of just a back and forth like social services uh comes to get her and then she escapes and goes back to her dad's house i think she does that a couple times Mm -hmm. i don't know why it is that she couldn't go back to live with her mother but she really like she wanted to be with her dad they were kind of jumping from home to home I don't know how Des was making a living, so I, at, at one point they lived in a tent. They were just kind of jumping around from place to place trying to find a place to stay, and Des was an alcoholic, so he would be drinking during this time. So she would have to come and pick him up. She would have to come and take care of him, like come and get him from places in the beginning of this situation. And he was, 
in this aggressive environment of the Ipswich street drinking community. Um, so around this age, 14, she was very fully immersed in it. So um, his health is going to deteriorate further and further as his alcoholism increases, and she was constantly having to take care of him and live in the environment. She even did things that a young daughter at that age was very inappropriate. Like, she had to bathe her dad. She had to dress her dad. She had to, you know, do all these things. And I can understand that in some situations if, you know, a person is sick or, you know, if you're the only person that person has, but she was forced into it. It's not like she had a very much of a decision, and it was because of his choices that she was having to do these things. So she basically became his caretaker, which, you know, it should be the other way around. During this time, um, as she's taking care of her father and she's living with him and they're, you know, uh, sofa surfing, they are surrounded by this community, which is made up of mostly older male figures, drunks and homeless people. They basically teach her things during this time because she is super impressionable. She's in that age yeah. where you're learning from people. You're, this is her adolescence. And she's seeing all these behaviors that she should not be seeing. She's seeing a lack of boundaries between people, um, between her and her father, between her and, like, these older men that she's hanging out with because of her, you know, the situation she's in. She's seeing a lot of violence between people in the community towards each other, from people in the community to other people's outsiders. She's seeing a lot of inappropriate behavior for people her age. And she's seeing a lot of dishonesty, manipulation, and last but not least, drinking. She's seeing a lot of that as well. And probably drug use as well. Switching over to a little bit about Rosalind. She knew Lorraine Thorpe. Um, she was actually fortunate enough to be one of the people in the community that had her own apartment, which she had it through some sort of benefit or services is what they said. Um, because she was going back and forth trying to find a job, I'm not exactly sure how she came to have the apartment, but... She had one, and that was taken advantage of by people in the drinking community, um, either with her or without her agreement. Uh, they were using the place to hang out or sleep, live there. People would come over just to hang out and drink, and then they would leave. Mm -hmm. Some people would stay a couple nights. Some people would stay more than a couple nights. Um, I'm sure they would, like, eat her food and all that type of thing. So, And she was very generous. She felt that this was her community, and she just didn't know how to say no. So I did a little bit of research, and her brother literally referred to her as a dormouse. He said she was very... Dormel? Dormouse. And he actually said any money that she did earn uh, was basically spent on food for these people. Yeah. So that's from my understanding. Mm -hmm. At one point in time, her ex-husband uh, came by to uh, see her for, for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, about a month before she died. Shut up, phone. God. God. Whose fucking whore is this? Who's uh, the one time I get a notification, it's during a podcast. Why is that always what it is? It's like your phone's always <laughs> dry, and then you're like, I have to perform heart surgery, and everyone's like, hey, how you doing? Don't let that fucking distract you, peeps. My phone is usually dry, but I kind of like it that way because I suck at texting, so it's okay. Um, Her ex came over? Yes, so her ex came over, her ex-husband came over uh, for some reason, um, and he at, at one point saw about ten people there. That he asked her, he said, do you need help kicking these people out? And she said, no. She said it was fine. So that's kind of what that would look like. A man named Paul Clark was kind of the ringleader of this group, mm -hmm. um, and especially hanging out at Rosalind's place as well. It was said that, I'm not sure if this is true. I heard it. Um, it was said that he and Rosalind had dated and that she was his girlfriend of some time. I'm not exactly sure. I... It'll come back. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I basically, when I was researching, it mm -hmm. was like... They had sex, but, like, I wouldn't say they were significant others. Yeah. So, like, they were kind of like, you know, how our generation's like, we're talking. Mm -hmm. That was basically them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Paul Clark had a history of violence, and he had some low-level crimes um, under his belt as well. Uh, he is a bully. He was manipulative, and he was abusive, and a violent leader of the Ipswich street drinking community. Paul took it upon himself to become that leader of a group of people who are able to be manipulated very easily, um, whether that's because they need some place to stay, they need their next drink of alcohol, they need 
something else, you know. At this time, he became sort of like a father figure to Lorraine because her father wasn't capable of doing that at that time. They get to hanging out more and more. She starts acting like him. Um, She starts drinking a lot. Uh, She is never in school. And that's kind of due to the fact that she, one, didn't want to go, and two, she was trying to avoid social workers. So if she goes to school, they can find her, obviously. Um, She's trying to avoid social workers because she doesn't want to be taken away from her dad again. And that's basically what they were doing, hopping from place to place that they could stay at, kind of trying to avoid social workers. So she stopped going to school. And she also started doing a little bit of drugs as well. Um, She stopped taking her ADHD medicine too, which, again, she needed to go somewhere to get that medicine. So she didn't want to be tracked down by social services. When someone stops taking their ADHD medicine, it is said to have an increase of all their symptoms of ADHD, uh, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, which would make sense. Um, You're not taking your medication, especially if you've been taking it for a very long time. Um, She is starting to have a lack of attention. She's having that hyperactivity and irritability as well. So there is also a link between ADHD and aggressiveness. It's very much overstimulation, honestly. You think, I mean, I had a friend who was describing it, Mm -hmm. and she basically was like, it's just loud all the time. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean loud? And she was like, it's just like, it's like everywhere you go, it's it's loud. Like, imagine, you know, and I even get frustrated when I'm like surrounded, like if my phone rings and music's playing and blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, you know? So imagine that all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. It's a lot of stimuli. Um... Which can be overwhelming, too. Exactly. So, um, these things are going to affect her decision-making and thinking as well. This environment, this, Im- these impressionable moments and behaviors that she's encountering, um, not taking her medication, which is going to increase her hyperactivity and, you know, all these feelings of being overwhelmed and, you know, quick decision-making, too. So... Their exact relationship was kind of scrutinized by the investigators when they found out that they were hanging out together, but they both denied that anything sexual or bad was going on. He was really just like a father figure to her. So at this point, she's basically obsessed with Paul, and she is very vulnerable to anything that he is going to suggest to her. He's a master manipulator. He knows what she wants to hear, and she wants to please him at the same time because that's who she sees as her dad now. Around the time of the murders, they both had been staying with Rosalind at her home. They were a couple of the people who, you know, would come and go and stay at her house. This could or could not be because they were friends with Rosalind. It could be because Paul was dating her, was, you know, having sex with her, casual, whatever, whatever the situation was. I've heard both while I was researching. So, apparently, how everything starts is Rosalind was walking Paul's dog and there was a situation where the dog had gotten very violent towards someone and she had to stop the dog from doing this. So she either kicked the dog or she pulled its chain a little too harshly or something something along that lines. It, it's, it was kind of, you know, spread around the community. So it's kind of like a game of telephone. Something happened. Someone saw this and ran back to tell Paul. I do want to say... Um, when I was when I was watching this, her brother basically was like, "I don't believe that at all. I don't think she was violent towards animals. Aww. She literally wanted to be a veterinarian. Oh, so really? why would she kick a dog? Yeah. Um, so he he honestly, her brother thinks that they were just like straight up lying and like mm-hmm. wanted an excuse to murder her or whatever. So another reason why this may have occurred or why they did this is mm-hmm. because they were afraid that Rosie was going to report the living situation to social services yeah um she saw what lorraine was going through and she was not happy about it she was friends with des um she saw that you know his daughter was basically wasting her life away and she didn't want that for her like the the only reason rosie was in this community is because it was a disease for her she it's she couldn't help it and she was a very generous person and you know she's around these people and they're taking advantage of her so so that could have been an alternative reason. And honestly, that's probably what the majority is. But, you know, there always has to be something that ignites. Yeah, trigger. Which ignites it. And so maybe it was the dog situation or something like that. That's what was going around the community, at least, was was the rumor. So uh, someone ran back to tell Paul. Rosie gets scared. So she leaves her home. She's not even sleeping at her home now. Yeah. And she's staying with Des. Paul suggests to Lorraine that she should go and talk to her and say that everything's okay. Um, You know, everything's fine. Like, Paul's not mad anymore. Yeah. That type of thing. So she does. She believes her because she thinks Lorraine is her friend. And they went back to Rosie's apartment. This was on August 2nd, 2009. And they didn't find her until August 9th. During this time, not 
the whole way until the ninth. But during a couple days, she was held against her will and she was abused and tortured. So I'm sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt you. No, it's but okay. Just in case we have someone who's queasy or something yeah. listening, Skip, like, please know that this the descriptions of her torture it very much so was torture. It wasn't light; like, it was very aggressive. Yeah. I mean these these actions are psychopathic. So um, I'm gonna start now. They would use a cheese grater on her skin at times. They held an electric fan against her face without the safety guard on it. Um, They beat her with a dog chain. They put her in a suitcase, burnt her hair, used her as a punching bag, and rubbed salt into her wounds, some of her wounds at some point, which is just horrible. So they would do this. They would torture her. They would go away. They would come back, and it would repeat. It lasted for a couple days. I think it lasted for about two or three days. This is a new situation for Lorraine. I think the reason why Lorraine was so okay with this is because one, she wanted to please Paul and she wanted to do whatever Paul wanted to do. Mm. But two, she has no control over her life at this moment. She is in a situation where everything is happening to her and she kind of has to go through these things and adhere to them but this in this situation like what what she's doing what they're doing to Rosie is she she has this sense of control and she feels like she's in control so that would be very that would be something that she was very that she would like so on the 4th of August they moved Rosie back to her home so they were at Paul's house at this point um they moved Rosie back to her own home and a neighbor of Rosie's reported having heard some kind of commotion and screaming and swearing they actually sent the police by um because they reported it Uh, They knocked on the door, and they didn't get a reply, so they left without further investigation, which is absolutely not how you do a welfare check at all. This would come back, and um, the two officers who went for that welfare check, they were given an actual... They were reprimanded by something called the IPPC, which is the Independent Police Complaints Commission, is what it was back then. And that's basically an organization that goes in and... um, investigates complaints made against the police because the police can't investigate their own crimes. That's not fair. So they were reprimanded uh, for not checking, basically given a warning. That welfare check was on the 4th. This is when they basically leave Rosie to die. She's been tortured so much that she is suffering from blunt force trauma in multiple places, and that is what is said to have been the cause of death. Well, from what I understand as well... um... They gave they gave her pills, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I know you mentioned that. that as well. Mm-hmm. Your notes say sleeping pills. I heard heart medication. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure which one it is. Some type of medication, yeah, so, obviously. So, so what Chloe's saying is correct. They, um, Paul and Lorraine took some med- medication with them that obviously yeah. Rosie was not supposed to be taking, and um, they made her swallow a bunch of pills so that it seemed like she committed suicide. That wasn't the cause of death. Yes. Um, they she basically definitely. they beat her. Yeah, after she that, definitely had a crap ton of blunt force trauma Mm -hmm. but also from my understanding the autopsy did reveal that she had a um broken hyoid bone Mm -hmm. which would indicate strangulation so i mean on top of the blunt force trauma as well unfortunately she succumbs to her um wounds and she dies in her home on um the either the fourth or the fifth the second alert from a neighbor is given to the police they call again um and this is because they haven't seen their neighbor in a couple days. That's not like her. She usually is seen around the apartment. They haven't seen her. It's weird. Police come by again, and they actually broke in this time because they saw d- flies at a broken window. Ugh. And it was assumed that she had been dead at least a couple of days because she was in early decomposition. And this is when they found that multiple blunt traumas was the cause of her death as well. Before they find Rosie's body, Paul and Lorraine more so is bragging about the things that they did to Rosie. They're bragging about it. Um, Lorraine is laughing about it she's talking with her friends um telling them all the details of what happened and it's gonna get around so word gets back to des that this torture was going on and he was going to go to the police and that couldn't happen they couldn't let that happen so Mm -hmm. they decided to go back to Desen's flat on the 10th where he was staying at lorraine needed to be in control and at this point she has lost all respect for her father because she has paul yeah. Um, and Paul is telling her they need to do this. So, and honestly, she probably was in on it too, saying like, yeah, we need to do this. Like, we can't be caught. On the 10th, 
the less than 24 hours after Rosie's found, they find Desmond in his apartment. He is dead on the couch. Unfortunately, they can't at first. They can't figure out if it was a murder or if it was literally just due to his bad health and his living circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, but later they found that, this is where it comes into play, a pillow was outside um, under a window in some bushes and it had blood and tissues from Desmond on it. So they found that that was the murder weapon. Yeah. And he had been smothered to death. At this point, they have a very strong suspicion of who has committed these murders. Uh, straight away, they find Paul in a road nearby, um, probably hanging out, and he was arrested. And Lorraine was actually at her mom's house, and they took her in for questioning as well. She actually admitted to Rosie's murder and was bragging and laughing about it to detectives. The reason why she's laughing is part of her hyperactivity. It's part of her ADHD oh. disorder. The hyperactivity leads to all that laughing. But that's why I just want to say, like, she's laughing, but it's also probably, like, a nervous laughter. It's probably, Mm -hmm. like, an overstimulated laughter. That's where all the laughing comes from. However, she denied involvement with her father's death. She said that he vomited in his sleep, and he choked and died. And the police Um, said, sis, that's a little weak. Yeah, so as they're questioning her, it's getting further and further into the questioning. They're seeing that the same amount of brutality happened with Desmond. Um, obviously, he wasn't held for a couple days like Rosie was, but there was the same kind of beating. And Lorraine eventually starts to come around and talking about what her and Paul did to her dad. Um, and she said, this is a quote, that they would find her footprint on her dad's head. I know. Isn't that yeah. bad? So they have plenty of evidence at this point. They never actually confess, though. Um, yeah. I believe they both plead not guilty. So a year later, in July 2010, uh, is when the trial starts. Um, Paul and Lorraine both plead not guilty. Investigators found it a little bit hard to work this case because they couldn't use any of the forensic evidence, really, of Paul and Lorraine being at the two crime scenes because they were there way too much. They were, it was their their houses. Oh. You know what I mean? You know what? So I didn't even think besides of the actual, like, body and maybe the murder weapon. Their handprints like, would be on everything. Yeah. So wow. They couldn't use any of that kind of forensic evidence. However, the circumstantial evidence was so huge, mm-hmm. and so they basically went off of that. Um, it was a seven-week trial in a very tense courtroom because some of the witnesses were, you know, people in the lower end of society that people see. It's hard to have a witness come out that you're like, oh, it's I've ve- seen that guy in the fucking corner, and he's drunk all the exactly. time. Exactly. So, and that's the thing, is the witnesses were alcoholics, they were drug addicts, um, they had personality disorders. Um, it's very tense because it's like they are witnesses, but at the same time, they're people. It's like, are they reliable? Yeah. It's a stressful courtroom because of that. Yeah. So also uh, another thing that made it a very tense and uncomfortable courtroom is Lorraine was laughing all the way through the trial. And again, this could have been involuntary. It could have been because of her lack of medication, which she still wasn't taking. And uh, because of this, she had to be given regular breaks due to this, the disruptive behaviors of giggles. She would look around the room at people, like, not pay attention to the actual preceding trial. Jesus. Um, so she got a lot. She was fidgeting a lot. Um, so she got a lot of breaks due to that, which as she should, you know. Uh, the level of violence in this case was very shocking because a 15-year-old girl at this time is, that is not something that they are usually known to do. There's a psychologist who was commenting in the documentary that I watched about this, and she would give a lot of, like, the emotional or the mental aspects of Lorraine at this time, or, you know, what girls at her age are going through and how this would affect them. Basically, it's in these types of situations, the girl in the situation is usually going to stand back to the side and kind of help mentally or suggest things or help in that way, but Lorraine was actually very much involved in the violent aspect of this, so that was very shocking to the jury. She didn't take the stand, so it was really hard to tell if she actually had remorse for her actions. So, as we kind of talked about earlier, it was the prosecutors that they had to portray to the jury was that theory that Rosie was going to report Lorraine to welfare. This was a threat to Paul and Lorraine's relationship and their situation. She had been blamed for an earlier welfare check mm-hmm. in 2009, and they thought that Rosie was the one that called it. She, she was already in thin ice, mm. and they heard about her having the idea to do it again, I guess. Yeah. So, again, this could not happen. At that time, she was taken into the services and she ran away. Yeah. That was in June 2009, so that was a couple months before the murders. Again, the defense said that Desmond had choked on his own vomit while he slept. The investigators had to prove that this wasn't the case. His frail health, it made it very possible that this could have happened, but the autopsy found that he had bruising on his bottom lip from his teeth being pressed forcibly onto his lip while being smothered. Ugh. So that ruled out that theory. Yeah. 
so the jury has to basically after the trial they have to come to look at whether Lorraine can be held responsible for her actions because she is minor there is little chance of her being a happy adult after this she has Mm -hmm. gone through so much trauma and the situation at this point that what's gonna happen if they don't put her in jail you know what I mean like what's gonna where's she gonna turn to next what kind of life will she have after this they have to take that into consideration and another thing that the judge said before the jury went to um deliberate yeah deliberate is the word the judge said that he was very certain that Lorraine could tell right from wrong despite Mm -hmm. her situation despite the manipulation so they had to take into mind as well it's like okay just because she's being manipulated just because she's in this situation does this girl actually is she actually delusional enough to think that she doesn't know right and wrong which is she's very smart she knew that's my question too i know you mentioned there was a psychologist in like the documentary mm-hmm. you watched you know if they did like a psych eval or anything no like they that? didn't i don't wow. think so okay no Mm-mm. i mean for someone who could barely keep their composure and i think i think they related that back to her adhd honestly it's, she I had guess. a very severe case yeah okay yeah i, I mean yeah and that honestly that's just surprising to me i mean no, I don't think they did any psych evaluations. I don't think they thought she needed it. I think they really did think that she was a lucid person and okay. she knew what she was doing. Um, she Makes just sense. had a lot of manipulation in the situation and, you know. Yeah, she's a minor. Yeah. She's, got she's learning all these behaviors presence. at a young age that she really should not be learning and that makes her decision-making horrible. Yeah. So the jury is sent out to deliberate and it takes them 17 hours. Um, they come back with the verdicts uh, unanimously. They said that Paul and Lorraine were both guilty of murder of Rosie. And then they said 10 to 2 that um, they were guilty of Desmond's murder. They both received life in prison. Paul received a minimum of 27 years to life. And uh, Lorraine received a minimum of 14 years to life. 14 because of the age and the situation. They're going to reevaluate once it gets to that point, which is actually in like 2024, 20, I want to say. What yeah, 2024, because this was in 2010 is when the trial was. Uh, yeah, so she's 2024, up. she'll actually be, I want to say like 27 or 28, and she will come back to, you know, basically be evaluated and see how they think she'll do on the outside. That's not saying she will be released, but that's the minimum she has to serve. She does, she has minimum to life. So, so four years after the verdict, Paul was found unresponsive in his cell at Whitemore Prison in England with a ligature around his neck. Wow. So he took his life. Um, after a couple years in prison. If Lorraine is released after her 14 years, which will be in 2024, she Mm -hmm. will be in her late 20s. The judge specifically said he will not release her until he knows that she is safe to be in society. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's up to the judge. I think it'll be like a judge and maybe a parole board. Like, so that's their story. But as I actually looked into a little bit more, Mm -hmm. it was found that there was also another guy who was in this trial who wasn't convicted and that's why he's not really talked about as much his name is john grimwood he was actually the third defendant in this trial and uh the reason why he was in this trial is because he was in and around the crime scenes around this time that's all i got from it i don't know what evidence they had um all i know is that he was a defendant as well and he didn't take the stand as well he pled not guilty he was found not guilty they didn't convict him so they must not have had enough of evidence to do it yeah i mean it must have been a situation where it was like you know mm-hmm. he was there a lot he knew him and yeah. the thing that the thing that they say is maybe he was kind of in and out of the of the places while this torture was going on and yeah. he didn't report it that's probably the most involvement he had i mm. don't know they didn't have enough evidence so he was found not guilty and he was yeah. released this unfortunately was not a good thing for him he oh. went right back into the street drinking community he had a girlfriend whose name was allison who was often seen with a split lip or bruising around her face because he was a very violent person. So in January 2011, which is less than six months after the trial, Allison is hanging around her friend Carrie. They are talking uh, by like a shopping center or a street or something like that. John comes up and asks to talk to Carrie, the friend. They go around like the corner to go talk and John starts attacking Carrie. And the reason for this is because... Whoa. Is because... He was mad because one of her friends broke his arm, I think is what the reasoning is, is what it says. What the hell? It was said that he was stoned and out of his mind on drugs during this time. Jesus. Um, so it's not a very good reason to beat someone up. But, yeah, right. But that's 
what happened. Basically, he was attacking her. He started punching her in the back. And it's not until a friend nearby screamed, Carrie, run. He's not punching you. He's stabbing you. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So she manages to get away. And she runs to a nearby shop where she goes, "Uh, hi, can you call me an ambulance? I think I've been stabbed because she's in so much shock. Holy shit. So I mean, an ambulance stabbing her back. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised she could even fucking run. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck. So so an ambulance gets called and she gets rushed to um the hospital and she has four stab wounds. She's in intensive care and she Jesus. makes it through. Oh, thank God. Yeah. However, the same can't be said for Allison, unfortunately. No. Um I knew he was going to fucking kill her. While Carrie was in the hospital, John and Allison were at home and they argued uh, apparently about tobacco what something the f- like that. Dude. And he slashed her with the same knife <gasps> that he used on Carrie. Oh, my God. And he hit a major artery and killed her. What a piece of shit. Yeah. Well, I hope he dies in prison. So, apparently, he carried a knife around, like, all the time. Well, so, I'm just surprised that, you know, he wasn't arrested. I mean, maybe she didn't want to, you know, spill the tea on her best friend. I think it was, boyfriend. like, the same day. Oh, my fucking God. Well, so, so, here's the thing. It's, like, how could you... If people saw what happened... I really think he probably ran away from the scene. It sounds like because he was in she the back ran alley. to a shop. Yeah, it, because she ran to a shop, and that's where she got discovered. She probably couldn't say anything because she was in such shock, and she was like, "Well, and you she know, was in the ICU, fighting Who for knows her life." How so conscious she it's was. not until investigators get around to finding out that it's John who did this. They go and they find Allison's body as well. Oh my fucking god! So I think it happened around the same day. Piece of shit, motherfucker. Yeah. I think they found her the next day, and she had blood out, unfortunately. I gotta be honest. This is why I don't like men. Mm-hmm. It's just shit like this. So, so Allison was a mom of two when oh, she was killed. Two God. teens. Again, one of those people who was a really good person, but they were just in a really bad situation. Her and John fought a lot, and she they would break up, and they would get back together. Yeah, you love someone, so, you know. And she was a part of that community as well, so she was probably involved in alcohol or drugs or something like that. So... Unfortunately, that was the case, and that is the third person in the trial where if he would have been convicted of Rosie or Dez's murder in some way, we would still have Allison here today, and Carrie wouldn't have been stabbed, which apparently she has really, really bad scars from. Yeah. That is where that story ends, I believe. I I didn't write down what his verdict was from his trial. I think he got sentenced to life in prison. Good motherfucker, you killed someone. Yeah, That's honestly the fact that they were like, you know, he may have been involved in the murder, um, just like going in and out. I'm surprised there wasn't a charge for that. I think generally in the U.S. there's like some sort of negligence charge or something. I don't know if they could prove it. Like, yeah, because it was all circumstantial. I think that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I don't think okay. they could prove it. Okay, so I was like, usually there's some sort of charge for that in the U.S., Grimwood was found guilty and jailed for at least 20 years. I love I love England. They're like, at least. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, just in and, and the U.S., we're just like, let's get down to it. Life. 25 to life. Yeah, we're just like. And it's never at least. Yeah, no, it's like, I, England's like. At least they say it right. Like, at least. It's like, motherfucker, you're not going to be here for the least. You think you might be. I know. It's like that false hope. That's their punishment is the false yeah. hope. Like, haha, psych. That's the wrong number. That's low-key fucking hilarious. So... That is the story of Lorraine Thorpe, um, the youngest female double murderer in Britain. Yeah, so that is all for us. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make sure you know our socials, though. Feel free to give us a follow, comment, like our pictures on the Insta. It's going to be double.trouble.pod. I want to shout out all of our friends who have followed us so far and who are supporting us. It means a lot. Um Especially on social media. Like, I really appreciate that, guys, because I know I'm here and we're here to bug you about when a new episode comes out. But if you follow us on the socials, that is a step further to our friendship. Yeah. And also, I do want to say shout out to the other, you know, podcasts that have followed us as well. Yeah. We've had a few, like the Twat podcast, I uh-huh. believe, followed us. There, I mean, there's a, a couple. few. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely. I mean, I'm definitely trying to start listening to them, giving them shout outs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this isn't a a true crime one, but I've been listening to the Sweet Boys podcast recently. I don't know if you guys know who uh, Garrett Watts and Andrew Sawicki are. They're from YouTube. They're just, oh, God. Sawicki sounds familiar. They're hilarious. They they were part of the whole Shane Dawson thing. Oh. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've kind of branched off from that, which is good. Uh, Okay. And they're, I mean, their podcast, I literally laugh out loud. So that's definitely something I'd recommend if you need a pick-me-up after listening to one of ours. Because, you know, <laughs> like Tess said, you can follow us on Insta at double.trouble.pod. 
I kind of want to. I kind of oh. want to give a shout out to a podcast that I've been listening to oh, lately go ahead. too. It's a new one. I have been listening. I found this podcast. I don't remember how I found it exactly, but it's called. Oh, I think um, they actually mentioned it on my favorite murder. Oh, fantastic! I think Karen was listening to it. Um, it is called Let's Not Meet, and it's a true horror podcast, is what he calls it. Mm-hmm. And basically, what he does, the um, narrator, his name is Andrew Tate. And he basically takes stories that people either submit to him or they submit to a thread on Reddit. He gets permission to read these stories, but... Yeah, of course. um, He takes these stories and he narrates them and he reads them from the first person person point of view. So it's just really, like, spooky stories. Like, it's actually, like... It makes it feel like it's not a true crime because it's happening in first person. And he tells, like, maybe, like, four or five an episode. It's pretty cool. Are they real? Yeah. No, oh, yeah. They're real, wow. they're real so things that happen to people. it's not like a creepy pasta. No. Oh, so, that's fucking cool. I'm going to so have to listen to that. Yeah, I listen to it while I'm at that work. That sounds amazing. It's, like, it's very quick because the stories go by very fast. Yeah. But I like it because it's got that creepy factor. Yeah. Um, but it also has that first person factor. So if you're ever tired of hearing about cases... It's kind of interesting to listen to that. And like he says, it is kind of a true horror. Like, it does give you goosebumps sometimes. Like, I get a little... Sometimes I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's wild. So, um, I've been listening to that lately. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm into right now. I mean, seriously. We'll probably end up shouting out some more podcasts, too. I'd like to kind of start doing that as well. Yeah. Um, Even if we are small, I'd like to shout everyone out that we listen to because we love y'all. We go through podcasts. I go through podcasts so fast, at least. I think I'm finding a new podcast, like, every other month or so. Yeah. I mean, I personally don't listen to podcasts as much because mm-hmm. of my work environment. It's just kind of hard to. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, All I do at work is listen to podcasts, guys, and music. So, like, that's why yeah. I listen to it so much. But, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely go ahead and shout some out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like Tess said, follow us on the Insta. Mentioned that earlier. Follow us on the Twitter. I'll go ahead and repeat it. Double Trouble TC. Mm-hmm. That is our Twitter. Twitter. And then, of course, you can email us at doubletroublepod at gmail.com. Yes, ma'am. I think that's what it is. Yep. Perfect. All right. And just as we always say, you know, if you want to suck a dick, you know. <laughs> suck a dick. Um, <laughs> as we say, try and stay out of trouble. But, but if, if you, you don't, can't, just make, make it, it double. double. And now for some beautiful symphonies featuring our beloved Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda, baby, 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 baby Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.